You are listening to Sidora Decoding Law Podcast. I am Genevieve Dubois, the Chief Marketing and Innovation Officer of Sidora, and I am Phyllis Schuster, the Chief Team Intelligence Officer of Sidora, and, and we, we are, are lawyers. Together, we will decode the secrets of legal services so that you, as a business owner, know how to use legal services to your advantage. Let's get started. Hi, everybody! Welcome to the new episode, and it's already December. I can't believe it. Today, we actually going to explore a very unique topic called legal industry past, now, and future trends. And the way it's going to work is this week we're going to talk about past and now, and the next episode we're going to talk about future trends. Let me say hi to everybody. My name is Genevieve Dubois. I am the CMIO of Sejura. That is Chief Marketing Innovation Officer. I'm also a lawyer. And today, with me, just like every week, my good friend and also my great partner, Phyllis Schuster. Hi, Phyllis. Hi, Janav. As you all know from listening from prior podcasts, I'm the Executive Legal Managing Director and the Chief Team Intelligence Officer at Sejura, and I too am a lawyer. And today we have another lawyer with us. This is a treat. It's like holiday season. We got to have a, a special guest, and we're so excited. This first time we have a we have a <laughs> guest, but um, he's a guest for our podcast. But he's no guest to us because he is actually a co-owner of Sejura, and also he's a partner at a law firm called Ritz Smith. And so here's Tony Alfonso. Hey, Tony. Hey, Genev. Hey, Phyllis. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to join you guys on this fun journey of this this Jura podcast. Um, I'm Tony Alfonso. I am a partner at Reed Smith and a co-founder of Sejura. And so Genev and Phyllis are my partners. Uh, my primary role at Sejura is in law firm relationships, which is why I'm a, an attorney with an, with a global law firm and to help, you know, manage the cases for our clients that are suitable for a large law firm and um, to get them the help they need. So I'm excited to uh, join everybody and be part of this conversation. And Tony is a very experienced real estate and business attorney, keeping in business for over 20 years. So we worked together for, for a very long time in international firms, large platforms, and like Tony said, he's right now still with a, a large global law firm called Riz Smith. Um, so he is really a great liaison for Sejura, um, working with Riz Smith, um, as well as other lawyers as well. So welcome. And this is an exciting topic. I thought, um, you know, having Tony here today give a, a different aspect and perspective since he's currently right now in, in a big firm. So let's dive right in. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Do you know how many lawyers there are in the United States? Actually, when I saw the number, I was a little bit surprised. And um, the, the number is 1.3 million totally in the U.S. What do you think about that, Phyllis? I think that sounds low. Just my own kind of experience, anecdotal, just feeling after practicing for as many years as I've practiced. I think there's got to be more than 1.3 million lawyers. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Doesn't that sound low to you? It, it does sound low. It does sound low. They may be just um, doing lawyers that are part of the ABA, and that's how they're tracking them. And not every lawyer has to be part of the the American Bar Association. You can have to usually be part of your local bars, you know, your state bar association. So I do agree that it's low, but that's what their figures say. So that's probably 
That's according to 2020 ABA profile of legal profession. Um, I'm sure most people listening to it like, it seems like lawyers are everywhere. What do you mean by 1.3 million? Even lawyers think there's like plenty of lawyers. Um, really to understand the legal profession and legal industry where it was, was now, where is it going? Um, it's really need to understand what does it look like for lawyers, you know, traditionally? How do we grow up to be lawyers? How do lawyers get trained? And also from clients' perspective, how do they usually um, hire lawyers and what their perspectives are? So why don't you start, Tony? How do we become lawyers, like, very quickly? How do you, how, you know, how do, what do lawyers usually do to become lawyers? Yeah, I guess first you have to have the, the great thought that you want to be part of the legal profession, you want to become a lawyer. And once you do that, you take a, a test called the LSAT in, in college. And depending on how you do on that, then you go on and apply for law school and complete law school and then take whatever jurisdiction you're going to practice in, usually whatever state you're going to practice in, usually take um, that state's what's called a bar exam, um, which every lawyer takes it and then becomes gets a license to practice law on that state. So it's a, it's, it takes about probably, I guess, from, you know, after you graduate, you know, or after you enroll in law school three years, and then, you know, you can become a lawyer. So it's a fairly straightforward process. And I think historically, you know, most lawyers, uh, attorneys, young attorneys, when they're leaving, um, you know, law school, they're joining big firms and to try to get some mentorship and learn how to really practice, you know, practice like a lawyer. And, and according to ABA, actually more than half of law school graduates, um, they would take a job in a law firm versus only 1% start as a solo practitioner. So as you can see that most of the law school grads, you know, they go to big firm first. And there's a reason for that. We'll mention it later. So Phyllis, maybe you can take over and just quickly tell everybody how does lawyers, once they get to big firm, how do they learn the skills? I think a lot of um, clients or, you know, business people think that once you graduate law school, you know everything. Is that true? No, I think uh, the thing you learn really quickly is how much you don't know when you graduate from law school. You know enough to pass the bar exam um, and make sure you pass the bar exam because you can't practice as a lawyer until you do that. But all you've really learned is analytical skills, which is very important, as well as the ability to research and to do a few other things that are really important skills. But in terms of being a practicing attorney and helping clients, most of that knowledge is gained when you start working. And you don't start working with 50 years of knowledge in your head. You start working with no knowledge in your head and you have to add to it. So you end up Generally, if you're working in a large firm, you're working as an associate, uh, working with one or more partners who, who you either are assisting on stuff or doing things for them. And then they review your work and you get corrections and you work a lot of hours and you work more hours than you thought you would ever work in your life, which is an unfortunate circumstance at most large law firms. And, and it's a very stressful time. Tony, would you agree that it, that that time of a new associate, a law firm is just really incredibly stressful. 
yes, uh, incredibly stressful. You're coming out and especially depending how attuned your mentor is that you're a young lawyer that doesn't really know that much and has a lot of patience to kind of give you the the leeway to kind of make some mistakes and fit, find your way around and kind of get your bearings, um, which doesn't happen a lot. A lot of times you're just thrown in and given work that you really don't quite know what to do with for the most part because you really didn't learn how to do it in law school, especially if you're a transactional attorney because law school is largely geared towards like legal research and doing things that like a real estate or corporate or more of a transactional practice you probably have never seen before, even as a, you know, as a young lawyer. So it definitely is a stressful time, not only because of the requirements on you from the law firm perspective and billable hours, but just being competent and making sure you're, you're providing a good work product for, you know, for the clients. And that stress does not go away, really. So as, as we grow older in the legal profession, you think that, oh, one day I just wake up, there's, there'll be no, no more stress. And it's not the case at all. And in fact, most lawyers complain about they always living in guilt and they always worry about things. They go to bed worried, they get up worried. Um, and it's because client really hiring lawyers to basically lift up their worry from their shoulder and put it on lawyer's shoulder and go to resolve that issue for me, you know? And that, that is that is really a lawyer's, part of a lawyer's responsibilities. And the guilt is you can see a lot of lawyers today, they work a lot. And when they try to take a vacation, um, they're still being pulled into work. So now they're feeling guilty now spending time with their family while they're working um, or while they're playing with their family or they're, they're spending time with their family, they're feeling guilty because there are tons of work going over there and the client have needs. That is a constant struggle and that's just the atmosphere, right? It has been like that in the past, but I think now it's even more important that when you focus on that. The other thing that I think that um, in the legal profession, everybody's objective is like there's only one objective, um, you like it or not, the, the objective is to become a partner. You become a partner in a big firm, small firm, your own firm, is become a partner. From associate, is only one path, you become a partner. If you think about working in corporations, not everybody wants to be a CEO, right? Not everybody wants to be a CFO. Sometimes people want to be a project manager or just a really good you know, engineer, technician. They don't need to be in management or just be a salesperson. Um, but in a law firm, really, everybody's goal is to become a partner. There's only one path right now. And the reason everybody want to become a partner, because they're perceived that you're going to earn a lot of money. And also all the stuff you don't like to do anymore as an associate, now you can pass it on to other associates to do. Tony, do you agree that today is that easily to pass on the stuff we don't want to do to new associates? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, the, I, I definitely think the landscape is changing and I will, we can go into some of that in more detail a little bit later, but it's not that easy just to pass your work off to an associate. I mean, the uh, number one, associates are pulled amongst several partners of the firm a lot of times and don't receive necessarily some of the detailed training that they need to. So I feel like, you know, we always constantly have to look over what they're doing making sure they're staying on task. I mean, remote work has made it even more difficult for teams to kind of, you know, 
participate together and collaborate and understand what's needed. Again, practicing law is, is an art, not a science. You know, there's nuances to what we do every day and how we draft documents and how we deal with the clients and how we resolve issues that it's really hard for, you know, younger lawyers to kind of be involved when they're not in the same location as the attorneys and kind of just sitting on meetings randomly, getting having random talks. It's just, it's a, it's a challenge. So that means that the associates don't, if their high quality work is not there sometimes, then it's much harder for a partner to use them effectively, especially given that law firms charge them at very high rates anyway that the clients don't want to pay. I bundled up a lot of things in there, but I, that's part of one of the problems is like the billable hour rates are getting so high and the associates are even harder to use because their rates are too high for the work that they produce. Yeah, that's great insight. I mean, Phyllis, you know, maybe you can provide a little bit of insight to our listener. How does a lawyer become a partner? in law firms? What's the, or the key elements, the most important element to become a partner? Well, there's a combination of things. One is just time, putting in the time. And at certain firms, there's usually like some number of years you have to be an associate before you can even be considered to be a partner. So that one, one is just years of, of grinding out work and being there and worrying and having guilt and working long hours. So that's one. Two, it's uh, making sure that you... Uh, are in a, in a place where you're helping, you know, a, usually more than one partner, usually as an associate, you're getting to know multiple partners, you're doing work for multiple partners who can then assess your work because uh, the, one of the keys to being a partner sooner versus later is let's say you've worked with five different partners and all five partners have been impressed with your work because you've done good quality of work for all five. That helps you get to be a partner sooner versus later. So I think, I think, think those things are there. I think the key though, the key, the key to being a partner, I don't care what other people say, clients. If you don't have clients, you're not going to be a partner. That's just how today's world is, the more and more realistic about it. And we'll touch on that. That's how hard it is to become a partner um, and, and the, how demanding it is and why legal industry is changing, actually. And, you know, for those listeners that who are not lawyers and sitting here listening to us talking about just kind of ping a big picture of what is it like to be a lawyer, you're probably sitting there like, why do I care? The reason is when you need to hire a lawyer, if you know how they think, how they work, then you know at what point you know hire what type of lawyer, how to talk to your lawyer, you know, what do they care about? At the end of the day, you're working together and yes, they're trying to resolve your issue, but if you understand at what stage they are in their career and what how they being compensated, um, the more that um, you understand it, the more you know how to manage your lawyers. And that's the key why we are using this time to really dive into this, you know, this kind of things. So I think those are really great insights, but let's explore it even a little bit more. Um, so Tony, maybe we, you can kind of talk a little bit about law firm management. What are law firm really about? Just so that our listeners can know when they work with lawyers who are in the law firm, you know, how to manage them, like from that perspective, how does law firms be managed? Um, yeah, so law firms, you know, are, it's it, they're an interesting 
you know, of structure, because I think most outside, most clients, most people outside a law firm would think that it's more of like a big corporation just made up of lawyers, but they actually operate practically in a much different world. Uh, most law firms, uh, they're really, in the end of the day, lawyer aggregators, where a, a lawyer may have a large book of business, and that lawyer now has a client being that has clients, you know, producing a lot of billable legal work and that they go to a firm, but then that lawyer still controls their client and then has various lawyers throughout the firms being associates, younger partners, paralegals, uh, working on their matters. So it's almost like the, they operate their own separate legal business within the law firm. So then that means that the law firm is made up of various types of these smaller legal businesses, which are almost similar to smaller law firms. Like those lawyers could actually go out from the big firm, set up their own law firm, which they would, and then we'd be called what you would think of as a small law firm, which were just the number of lawyers is a lot less either from, you know, you know, one to 20 versus, um, you know, large firms can go up to, you know, thousands and thousands of lawyers. So I do think that's an important distinction. And within the law firm itself, it has its own management structure of comprised of mostly lawyers. And usually the lawyers that have the most clients then achieve leadership roles in as being head of their practice areas, such as a litigation practice or, you know, the real estate or corporate practices. And then all the way up to like the managing partner um, has a very, you know, a very, a lot of clients. So that's basically how law firms are structured from a management perspective. And the other aspect of it, I think it's very important for a client to understand is in a law firm, clients mostly belong to the attorneys, individual attorneys. No matter how the law firm said, you know, this is our client. Yeah, they can say it all they want. The practical sense is if that attorney goes to another firm, most likely the clients that works with that attorney will go to another firm. Right now, at least, the clients mostly belong to, to the attorneys. And it creates a more so of a competitive environment versus collaborative so a lot of lawyers like have a difficult time working together, right? Because uh, if it's a competitive environment and your job and really do what makes you successful to gather as many clients as you want, then it becoming like the point that it's important for you to do everything. And that creates a problem because you feel like you have to be everything for the client. So the client is relying on you personally um, and then you become important. So... I, I think that, you know, a lot of law firms trying to have a environment that p- people can work together. Um, but at the end of the day, that is what the reality is. And the reason that's important is because just because just as a client, you get to be mindful, you know, just because two lawyers working in the same firm, talking to lawyer A about a matter, and then you go to, talk, you go to lawyer B and talk to them about the same matter, it can create internal competitive situation versus, oh, it doesn't matter. I talk to attorney A and attorney B, they're all from the same firm, but it, it may not uh, be very pleasant for them internally. I think one other challenge there is 
competing for your time. So if you want to work with another lawyer and because they've got a special expertise in something and you need that expertise and your client needs that expertise, but that other lawyer is working on their own client's work and it's just the reality of it. They want to make sure their clients are pleased. They're not incentivized as much as they could be maybe in a business if it were, if everybody was working towards the common goal. But when you have your own clients, you're trying to keep them happy and then if I come in and say, I really have this matter I need you to work on, perhaps you might not pay it the attention it needs or or things like that. So it, it appears like it should be this great working process together. But in reality, it doesn't happen that way because people are trying to please their own firm clients. They're also trying to make sure their own bottom line continues to be enhanced. And and that's one of the practical answers too is, you know, how do law firms handle uh, work that we do for our own clients versus work that we do for someone else's clients and and how do they measure that and how are you compensated as a result of that so that comes that all this whole compensation structure also comes into play in all of that Genev yeah so Tony without diving into the details of compensation how it works in law firm I'm sure our listeners don't really want to be bored with that what would you think is two words that lawyers live by since the time of first day you step in a law firm? What do they beat into you every day? What do you have to meet? Hmm. Maybe a little louder. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's become so ubiquitous. I think most clients realize like the bill hours when they get their invoices and they see, they never realize how, like time can be broken to point twos and point threes. Like somehow that doesn't really still make a lot of sense. But basically, you know, we... Ch- Lawyers get compensated based upon the revenue they bring to the firm, which are comprised of units of billable hours in some respect. And then those billable hours theoretically are passed on and charged to the client. Um, and theoretically, they, they pay those. And that's how the law firms operate. So it's a, you know just an aggregation of billable hours. Um, I, you know, that's historically how everybody gets paid. And then the rainmaking attorneys that actually have the clients. So they're, they a lot of times have another element to their compensation because they're producing the billable hours theoretically by having the client and giving billable hours to other attorneys. So theoretically there, those partners would get some type of percentage of the other time, you know, out in, included onto their um, compensation, especially because, as you mentioned before, Genev, you know, a lot, most clients go with the lawyer, not the law firm. So under that circumstance, the law firms have every incentive to compensate their, so, you know, rainmakers that bring in a lot of billable hours and a lot of client work, compensate them so they stay with the firm because theoretically, if they didn't compensate them enough, they could go to another firm. So. Yeah, and that's a good transition to talk about really the lawyer's and attorney's perspective, right? Um, so if you think about it, lawyers are selling expertise, but really they're being measured by number of hours they're selling times how much per hour. That's really how the business work currently and in, in the past, um, which creates a lot of issues for a client. And that's why when you get you know, like Tony said, when you get an invoice, it gives you like pages and pages of your time entries that you, pro- you probably, you know, a lot of businesses could care less to read them. And they don't even understand why they are like review documents for 0.5. Is that even, you know, legitimate or not? Like how many hours are you supposed to spend on? You know, it's very difficult for, for clients, but that's reality 
um, right now in today's world. So, um, Phyllis, maybe you can talk a little bit about how attorneys get trained, you know, in the past and, and until even today is very, very real. How do they learn their skills, basically? Well, we already mentioned before that when you come out of law school, you really, really? you know, just have some basic skills with not, you know, not a lot of knowledge. Uh, quote, in the olden times, probably the most, uh, uh, the quickest way that lawyers got trained um, and the most relevant in the time was they did apprenticeships usually with another lawyer where they were literally like there and they got taught the trade of being a lawyer, you know, under the, under the training and auspices of, of, of an experienced attorney. When you come into a big firm and historically, um, the associates at many big firms in the past were in some concept and form of a training uh, process where you, the young lawyers would learn um, from experienced lawyers, either by having seminars and things like that in the office, or they would work directly with lawyers in the bigger firms who would, they would act as apprentices in that regard, where they would learn like a, a topic, an expertise, an area of practice, whatever, from, from one or more experienced lawyers in the field. So that's how the apprenticeship system worked, either either in individual law firms on one-on-one or in a larger firm where you'd be brought in where multiple partners could be helped in training you, plus some concept of a formal training program that many firms used to have a lot of training programs. Um, and so we're going to talk a little bit more about what that looks like today, but that's how traditionally it was handled. Mm-hmm. And Tony, like, you know, you're in a big farm and you've been always working for a big farm. You've been trained, you know, by masters mm-hmm. in, in real estate and, and corporate. Um, in today's world, do you feel like it's somewhat different than when you were growing up as, as, a, as a lawyer in terms of how being trained? Yeah, I do. I do think that as far as what I've observed, most I feel like a lot of associates are getting pieces of deals and they're not getting like fully integrated. You know, they're being brought in to handle work instead of like actually be trained as an attorney to have long-term, you know, prospects at the firm. And I, I do think it's, and it's, it's, I don't think it's a critique is just on law firms. I think just how generally I think the remote working situation and the new generation, I think there's a different expectation of what younger attorneys want. Sometimes they want, you know, work life balance. So with that, you know, with those hours, I mean, unfortunately our clients and the partners and attorneys that are responsible for files have to show up, right? The client needs us to do what we need to do and we have to do it regardless of whether we're on vacation or not. That's just kind of the nature of our profession. And, and it's, if an, if an attorney, associate, whoever doesn't want to step up and kind of take that responsibility, a lot of times I think some of the, you know, more senior mentors would put less time into them because, I mean, it just makes sense. So it's like you can, yeah, we can respect your boundary and, and have a situation where you can go on vacation, but understand that that's going to have an impact on your growth as an attorney because you're not going to be part of those critical elements of the deals that you need to be part of in order to learn, right? And it's like, you know, the, re- the reason why 
a 20 year attorney is a better attorney is not necessarily because they're smarter or whatever. They just learn a lot more. Right. I mean, that's, they've had, they've seen more deals, had more experience to shape, you know, their judgment and, and making, you know, helping clients solve problems. So I do think the, the traditional like mentor an attorney so that that attorney now the mentor, the associate, so that associate like learns everything you knew so that that person can one day take over your clients and become a partner and become a bigger part of the firm. I do think there's still opportunities for that if you're lucky, but I do think that landscape is definitely changing. And and, and I think it's due to a lot of different factors within the law firm and the industry. And I totally agree with that. I think it's harder, uh, more difficult for associates nowadays to get trained. Um, And I know, I remember uh, when I was a young associate, really, there are several partners really taught me, you know, everything from very detailed, how you draft things, how you think, how you approach, what the process is like. And mentorship takes time and takes a lot of non-billable time. Learning takes a lot of non-billable time. And if you recall, we just talked about the most important thing in law firm right now, um, be measured by of lawyers, of billable hours. So um, it takes a lot of those learning experiences away. And with remote working, you know, as great as this being productive, productive, you can be productive. It takes a lot more effort for the training part, for the mentorship um, to work in that kind of environment. Um, the other observation is really about opportunities for attorneys and clients in the legal industry um, in today's world. I, I you know, I, I don't know how Tony feels. You guys feel as attorneys, you know, it seemed like for associates, they either being a partner that's one route, which they can be in a small firm, big firm. You know, really, you at some point you need to be a partner. Otherwise, you being perceived like you didn't make it, or then you can become in-house counsel, um, or you just leave the legal profession totally. I've personally done all of those, so it's really interesting. So I've been in-house corporate counsel. I've been um, solo partner in a law firm. I've been. A, um, a, a non-equity partner in a larger firm. I've been of counsel in a large, large firm. And so I've done the combination of all those things. And I think there's limitations on, on each one of them. So you know, if you're in-house, there's generally only one general counsel. Now, depending upon how large your legal department is, you could possibly start as a you know younger lawyer and you move up and and there's room for growth there or you have to leave to go to another um, company and be in-house counsel at the other company to get to have more and more higher positions and managing more people or managing more lawyers that kind of thing so I think those are the opportunities but they are limited because there's not really too many not like an internal corporate structure where there are all sorts of other departments which you could move into here when you're a lawyer you're limited within within that structure, either the structure of a smaller firm, medium-sized firm, or, or in-house legal department. Yeah, I, I do think part of the issue with the associate, but I do think it's becoming harder and harder to become a partner at most law firms. I do think that there's kind of a new role that's being shifted in there called like a contract attorney, where that attorney could be a very experienced attorney that's definitely way, way beyond what you would consider a normal associate, which would be from one to 10 years about, but has a lot of experience, but is not really on track to be a partner. And they're, they're kind of like a side position. Some, some firms call them of counsel. Some, some, 
have of counsel and contract attorneys. And I do think you're going to see more and more contract attorneys pop out. Um, Because one thing we haven't talked about is, you know, there's this, this always the the economics of law firms, the the law firms want to make more money. So every year they give rate increases to their billable hour rate, which then puts them a little at odds with what the client wants to pay. So these senior contract attorneys uh, kind of get paid less money from the firm. So they can be charged out at, you know, a much lower rate to kind of what's called blend the rates between the partner and the contract attorney. But that contract attorney, a lot of times will have a lot of experience, you know, to be able to handle their matters on the matters on their own, you know, more than you would think a typical uh, mid-level associate would. So I do think that's something that you're seeing happen in a firm, happen in firms. And then as firms don't elevate as many associates to partner, I do think it affects the dynamics because that, as Genev artfully explained in the beginning of the podcast, it's like, that's really the, the, the carrot, right? That's the goal. That's what you're, you come into the firm one to, be, to become a partner when that becomes less and less likely. I think the investment that partners put into training associates and associates put investment to learning from the partners and investing, becoming invested in the firm becomes less, which kind of breaks down kind of the underpinnings of the structure a little bit to cause, you know, the, the structure to change, you know, the traditional legal industry to kind of change a little bit slowly. So, and I think that's what we're seeing today. I had one other point I wanted to raise too, when we were talking about how things look now. Earlier, you mentioned, you know, that someday you could be a partner and you wouldn't have to work as hard and you could pass all the work down to the associates. Well, what's the reality I've seen in most law firms is that the partners really are working as hard, if not harder, than they did when they were young associates, which is hard to believe. And the days like when I began in the profession, when senior partners just were able to spend the day playing golf and they didn't have to be at the office because they brought in all this business, I, I just don't see that happening nearly as much. What what I see is those hardworking partners having to work many long hours and not just relaxing. They have to not just bring in the clients, but they're also actually working the work as well. And the other thing that, you know, on, on that line of thoughts is, I think today's younger generation associates, they do want more balanced life. You know, they're looking to um, be an attorney, yes, being good at what they do, yes, but they also wanted to be home with their family, you know, being able to go on vacation without feeling guilty. And the reality, however, reality is there are work has to be done. So when, you know, as I know that when I was a partner at a, a large firm, my feeling was, oh, you are, you know, as, I want your associate to work on that, you know, specific task. They're like, well, sorry, you know, I got to go and, and cook dinner or whatever, uh, whatever they want to do. And and they can go do what they want to do. And we still have to get the work done because the client's sitting there waiting for it. So, um, so basically, like you said, Phyllis, you know, if the associate don't do it, the partner has to do it. The partner has to bring work. And really the reality is a lot of attorneys feeling over burdened and, and burned out because they have to do everything. It doesn't matter how big a firm they are in, they are like a solo practitioner. They have to do everything. Everything's on their desk. If they don't do it, nothing is going to go move forward. I think those are really great information about attorneys and law firms and really um, how the legal industry have been working in terms of providing services. One big part of attorney, what we have to do we are also salespeople. We're not just managing clients, providing legal expertise, but we also are salespeople. 
And in a lot of other industries, they have sales teams. Um, they have like sales teams that are, that's their expertise. They go out there and make connections, develop relationships. They actually do initial sales. And they have sales scripts and they have approach that processes. Um, it just doesn't seem like that's really something that law firms have or focusing on. Uh, Tony, what do you think about that? Yeah, it goes back to the attorney has to do everything. And including when we talk about clients being, you know, kind of the, the, the heart of the business, the only way to get the clients is somehow to either inherit them from another attorney that you've worked for that who retires, which is very, that doesn't even guarantee that that client's going to go with you. But most likely you have to go out and figure out how to, how to get, how to reach out, touch and get clients in the door, which there's no real, you know, set process for that. Um, many attorneys do it different ways, depending on your personality. And quite frankly, there's some attorneys that don't even like doing it because they don't want to be salespeople because they feel like they went to law school not to be a salesperson. But unfortunately, you know, because they went to law school to be a lawyer, not a salesperson. It's kind of like some, some lawyers feel like it's demeaning to them to have to sell their services, um, which is, not true. You know, the clients, you know, in, in, in big law firm transactional, you know, the clients are the clients. We provide legal services to the clients and we have to figure out, I mean, part and parcel of it is knowing what we're selling, which I don't think a lot of attorneys even understand what they're selling, that they have to act as salespeople to try to reach out and connect with the clients to get them to give them an opportunity to help them with legal services, right? To try it out and then see if it works. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is like, you know, when I was working in corporate world, right, salespeople, what they do, they have a whole methodology. Before they approach a potential client, they will meet for days, if not weeks, to design things to understand the needs of that client, potential client. And they would go in, they would design a whole speech and presentation and even a demo, you know, how, how to demonstration of software, whatever it is, the industry is. And they walk in, when they walk in, they're fully prepared and they sit down and they talk to the, the potential client and really trying to resolve their issue sitting right there. Um, and afterwards, after a meeting, they will have a debrief um, for days. They were like, oh, this is what they talk about. This is what, how we can follow up. Where, you know, when I'm working with this many years with lawyers, um, lawyers usually come off, this is how they do it. They don't even think about that potential client until they walk in that conference room, you know, see the potential client sit down and like brand new, just start thinking about, oh, who are you? What do you do? They never really before stepping into that conference room really think about anything about that potential client or prepare anything. And after they walk out, when they walk out of that conference room, they're so rushed getting on another conference call, they don't even think about this potential client until, you know, potential client said, oh, I want to engage you. Um, you know, Phyllis, do you do you see that as well? Or, you know, that just kind of my observation. No, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think too, if from a client's perspective, many clients have business development teams and, and they can go out and market and, and develop business. But lawyers provide a personal service and it's our, we're performing the work and we're interacting directly with the client. So a lot of times when someone says, I don't want to go out and do sales, well, 
the client wants to meet you. They don't want to meet your business developer. They want to know who they're going to be working with. Do I like your personality? We've talked about some of these things that are, you know, the intangibles of how you try to find and locate lawyers um, to do your work. From the client's perspective, they want to get to know the person who they're going to be interacting with. So we do have to both be performing the service as well as attracting the client. And we have to become, you know... the sales part of it is just a natural you know, part of that. And we can allow other people to do that work for us. We can work with people who can help us develop the business and all those things. But at the end of the day, I think we have to be willing to go out to, to get our own business on top of everything else that we're doing. So we are sell- we might not want to be salespeople, but we are salespeople. Um, I agree with that. I think that's what today's legal industry is like. And next week, actually, next episode, we're going to talk about what the future trends are. And I think that is changing. I think that needs to be changing because most every other industry, um, if you can standardize your services and for example, I don't eat the burger because of the cook, right? I go to McDonald's, I expect that every single McDonald's burger going to taste the same. I standardize services, right? I am not saying to that level, legal services, there are elements that's very personal, but I do think there are elements in the legal services that it needs to change. And that is why we're doing this episode today. Um, you know, again, this is great conversation. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming. And next episode, he's going to be with us again, right, Tony? Yeah. And we're going to explore next episode about the future trends. And um, so today it's really great to have this um, really honest conversation with Phyllis and Tony. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Sejura Decoding Law today. Next week, we will be discussing this topic from lawyers' perspective. You're welcome to join us even if you're not lawyers. At Sejura, we are reimagining legal services with innovative technology and processes. Visit us at sejuragroup.com. If you know anyone that wants to know how to use legal services to their advantage, please forward our podcast to them. See you next time.